In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Well, to everybody except Conor McGregor. He's probably not having that good of a morning. Our Irish friends probably got a little bit of a headache after taking those three shots to the head. But I, Ian Wright, here with my man, Jack Duffin. Part of our little off-season uh, thing here is to break down some of the position groups. So most of the Browns fans out there, you know, get an understanding of how we've kind of turned the corner with this franchise and how we're kind of now looking on the upside when it comes to getting players in developing, but you know, we've got some players that are still on the roster that we got to figure out, are they going to be here? What are they going to do? So, uh, you know, Jack's putting together some serious, some serious information here, dropping knowledge for everybody. So Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. So um, I did this series last year um, as articles. I don't remember how we did it on the podcast, but effectively the gist is, all 53 position rooms or uh, position spots on the entire roster. Is that player already on the roster or is it a free agent that we fill that spot with, or is it sort of draft capital? So I haven't gone into, Hey, is this prospect at this position? Because all of that's ridiculously up in the air pre-combine um, and this far out, but it's very much just looking at what different directions they could go. I've included every single direction they could go realistically so full of loads of content. The articles are coming out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at thedogland.com. And so basically, we're just going to chat about those um, each different uh, one of those days. We'll come back with another show. So we're coming at you three times a week. Uh, you lucky chaps, you get to put up with us even more than you used to. Um, but uh, it's one where it's just going to be a really, really interesting discussion. What does the NFL do? Sort of a theoretical debate about how you structure a room going forward because we're not just talking about one year here we're talking about three years that's what Sashi Brown that's what John Dorsey that's what um, Dee Podesta that's what Andrew Berry all of these gems whatever team they're on is not just looking at one year you don't build a team for one year and then go hey what do we do next year um, when you're drafting someone that's a five-year commitment if it's a first round pick um, and then you're looking at potentially their deal onwards there's lots of different things going into this. So we're looking at a three-year picture, um, but very much on how do we fill those 53 spots? Where does that player come from? Yeah, and to give people an idea, you know, when you listen to Andrew Barry, and, you know, he was kind enough to do a little bit of a media circuit uh, this week, you hear him you hear him talk about these things. He, talk, he talks about the collaborative effort. He talks about, you know, multiple ways to build and shape a roster. You know, in his one interview, he spoke about learning under Ryan Grigson and Bill Polian and Howie Roseman and how each one of them took a different approach and how he was able to gather information from each of them. You know, I know as fans, we have emotional attachments to the players themselves. You know, we look at a guy, you know, we look at number 24 as saying, this is Nick Chubb. And we watch what Nick Chubb does. And we love what Nick Chubb does for the city of Cleveland and for the organization. But at the end of the day, you know, there are guys in this Browns front office and I, it's tough to say sometimes, but they don't look at the names on the back of the jerseys. They look at the positions that they're slotted in. So there is a great deal of importance in terms of understanding 
what you do in terms of value to the position and how you're going to handle it. And listen, there's no, you know, exact science to say like, oh, it can only be done this way. But, you know, to Jack's point about five-year windows, well, if I know now I don't have to pay a left tackle for a minimum of three years, you know, I'm able to pay a Jack Conklin. And the word Andrew Berry used was sequencing contracts where Jack Conklin's deal will expire right around the time that Jedrick Wills would be available for an extension. So now if we think about it, we go from the guaranteed money of Conklin's deal to now having that money available for a Jedrick Wills deal. So the players may not be as significant, but we're talking about left tackle, right tackle. So if you're looking for maybe a strategy on how the Browns may approach the right tackle position post Jack Conklin, maybe look at it as a first round pick because they may flip the wheels and say, well, now Jedrick has the contract and the right tackles on a rookie deal. These are the type of things we have to start thinking of, but you know, just remember there's, there's nothing that says we don't like the player, you know? So whether we're talking about running backs, Jack's favorite positions or linebackers, his second favorite position, you know, it's, it's not towards the guy themselves. It's just more talking about where the room is at now and where we're going to be headed. So that's why I think if you, you know, you get a chance, this, the articles, you know, they're not the short, you know, some of them are short, some of them are long. Take a look at them. You know, they're, they're going to give you some insight. They're going to be more information. You listen to Deep Podesta, you listen to Barry, you listen to Stefanski. They always tell you they're always about learning. Well, read the articles. Don't be mean on Twitter. And well, you can be a mean on Twitter. It's okay. But, you know, try to learn something. It, it's, it's good to start thinking about how people without emotional connections may look at the Browns. So, yeah. Jack, let's get into this article a little bit. Yeah, and just that, it's, it's one very much like, look, when Dorsey was doing stuff, I didn't agree with lots of stuff he's doing. And there's lots of other fans that won't agree with what Barry and what Sashi did and things like he's that. He's back. It's one where... The full Dorse has returned to the NFL. Jack's Twitter goes nuts as the fighting Chris Spielmans have brought in the fighting John Dorsey's into the wonderful motor city of Detroit, Michigan. Johnny Dorsey. It's one where I'll just throw out, and these articles include loads of different directions I wouldn't go, um, but it just sets out the scene. And they're going to have um, sort of position matrix of going, here's A, if we do B, and things like that. They're, they all have all of these discussions. And what um, Ian said is perfectly right about um, what they're looking at left tackle. They're potentially set up for the next, what, 10 years of paying one left tackle um, sorry, one tackle, whether it's right, whether it's left for the next 10 years, they can look and go, Hey, this is our route for all of that time. Um, they're not obviously sat there going, Oh, well, he's going to get this much this year, this much this year. They're just going, look, that's one deal. It'll go from Conklin. It'll pass to the left-hand side. And then it'll probably pass from the left-hand side back to the right-hand side. Um, and yeah, it's really, really intelligent way of doing it. And that that's all of our discussions are going to be. Um, but no, the, the first position, and I actually wrote an article about this, um, at the weekend as well, which was all about what does Baker's deal look like. But before we get into that, we're going to look theoretically first. So there's the average in the NFL is there's two and a half quarterbacks on every roster. That's not half a person. Don't worry. We haven't cut anyone down the middle. Now, to be fair, those numbers have normally been skewed by the Browns because we have to carry about five quarterbacks. So it actually is 2.4. But, you know, we've run through so many quarterbacks because the one thing Browns fans, when we're talking about the quarterback position, we actually have a good one. We, uh, how good he is, we, we can all argue and debate that. But we have a guy that started all the games. That's the first time that's happened in a long time. So now remember, everything you know about the quarterback position for the last 20 years, forget it. It's over. 
It's a new era. It's a new era of quarterbacks. And this is why Jack, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but wanted to kind of preface Brown's minds. Cause this is something we haven't had to deal with in 20 years, 20. So if, if we look at the, the room, everyone's got their starting quarterback. Every team will only have one quarterback that they see as, Hey, this is our starter. Um, obviously if you've got someone on a start for rookie sequence, it's completely different, but throw that out the window. You've got your one starting quarterback. And then what do you do with the other one or two spots? So you've got two different schools of thought. So you've got, hey, we're just going to have one backup. We'll pay a Case Keenum. Um, we'll have that steady vet there. Or you can go the other route of you might have that cheap veteran and then the developmental guy that might be, and you just do it safer just one year of going, hey, hope this guy steps up and develops to be the backup. But the issue with doing that is, hey, you maybe take that out of the sixth wide receiver spot. And would you rather have six wide receivers, two quarterbacks, or three quarterbacks, five wide receivers? And I, I think this system, especially where you've got the extra tight end, et cetera, sets up nicely to be a two quarterback and six wide receivers. And that doesn't mean you're only going to have two quarterbacks. Every single team has three quarterbacks. The way you do it is you stash that guy on the practice squad. Um, and theoretically going forward, I think it's probably not going to happen this year. The Eagles were incredibly smart last year and they got so much hate when they drafted Jalen Hurts. And they weren't drafting Jalen Hurts to be the starter. In the same way, no one when the Patriots drafted Jimmy G, Matt Castle, and all these other guys went, oh, Brady's done. Brady's going to get traded. These guys are brought in for two reasons. Case Keenum's on like six million a year. And if you can draft a rookie that is going to be with you for four years and cheaper than six million across all of those years in total, that frees up money. And sort of the article that I released last week said, hey, you can pay about five veterans on offense after Baker Mayfield when he's on his veteran deal. Why would you want one of those five veterans to be your backup quarterback? You can have the basically decision goes, do you, do you want to pay Case Keenum and send a third round pick out there as your third wide receiver? Or would you want to pay a Rashad Higgins and have a third round pick as your backup quarterback? It's common sense to me. Give me, give me, obviously you might be someone other than Rashad Higgins, just using him as an example of someone around five, six million in deal. Give me that wide receiver that's going to play 50% of snaps, 60% of snaps, then a quarterback and a backup. You hope never plays a single snap. Might let him out and come for a knee. But on that sort of theoretical discussion, where do you see the Browns going? Um, maybe not this year, but where, where do they see the room being? I come back to Barry's famous word, sequencing. So that six million, don't be surprised if next year you see it in one of, to Jack's point, one of the offensive skill players. So say they extend, and I know this will make Jack cringe a little bit. Say they extend Nick Chubb. They may move that six million from Case Keenum to Nick Chubb. Now, the money you have this year, obviously they'll pay Chubb his fourth year rookie. So you're talking about extension money and maybe they throw him a little bit, whatever. But that's the point he's making is, is you're moving that money from a guy like Case Keenum, where now we bring in someone younger and cheaper so we can put that money into somebody that's actually going to produce on the field and not stand there and hold the clipboard. Because at this point, I feel like you can get a lot of clipboard holders for $6 million. But if you remember right, going into 2020, there was a bigger question mark on Baker Mayfield. So if the season went awry, you needed a guy like Case Keenum to keep it on the rails and you needed to pay him a little bit money to make sure. So that was one hell of a valuable insurance policy. But at this point, the premium expired and now 
I think we know that Baker's got a little bit of a money uh, in his future. So we, we're going to be able to shift that money. So for all you pay Nick Chubbers out there, don't give me that hole. You can pay Nick Chubb and Case Keenum too. Yeah, we'll head back to that one. Our next show on Wednesday is all about <laughs> the running backs and fullbacks. Um, but we're all yeah, I just I wanted to touch today. base on that six and a half million dollars and how it can shift from one side to another. So oh, a perfect example is you've got Case Keenum and Kareem Hunt or you've got um, Nick Chubb. Obviously, it doesn't have to be an A or a B, but that's a good example of you can have your two split that money between two people and have a backup quarterback and a backup running back or you can spend it all on a starting running back. Um, I would say they're two bad places to spend money, but I'd rather throw it all in a starting running back that's going to play 80% of the snaps. Jack's more in favor of giving it to a backup tight end, but we'll get into that in about <laughs> five shows from now. Um, so there's a debate on Baker Mayfield this offseason. So we came into the year. The first six games, he was the fourth worst quarterback in the NFL, according to PFF. And then week seven, Cincinnati. And then from week seven till the end of the season, he finished as a top three quarterback in the NFL. And it was probably the most incredible turnaround I've seen other than Josh Allen from the first two years to the third year um, was pretty much in that discussion for a change. And um, his is slightly different because it was sort of several games that were great, several games that were crap and nothing in the middle. Um, even this year, um, whereas Baker was very, very steady, um, which is really impressive. So any debate about whether to give um, Baker Mayfield fifth year option is done that he is hundred percent getting that this off season, whichever side of the spectrum or anyone you're going to pay him probably going to be around 19 million with the cap and everything. It hasn't been set yet. I'd expect that to come out the next month or so um, on what the fifth year options are going to be, but let's say it's 19 million. The debate comes in with what do you do about an extension? So you've got two schools of thought. You've got one is do it, pay it now. Um, it's going to be cheaper and we'll get onto that in one second, what that deal looks like. So that's what I wrote on at the weekend. And the second school of thought is let's give him another eight games, say, until the bye next year. Let's give him 16 more games and look at it next offseason. The reason why you might want to wait, perfect example, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is yet to play a single snap on his veteran deal. He signed it two years ago, two years ago, and hasn't even started it yet. Ezekiel Elliott's another one. Hasn't even started his veteran deal yet. Todd Gurley got cut before he started his veteran deal. Just because these players are signing deals, they're two years ahead, and you're committing loads of money to this guy, and you don't know if he is the guy. And that comes with a lot of risk. So it's all almost a school of thought. Do you save two, four million, two to four million and do it this year? Do you wait and then not risk sort of 30 to 50 million if you get it wrong where, where do you sort of stand on that yeah and I think the one thing that people sometimes forget is so like for example if we're comparing Goff and we're comparing Wentz so the idea there would have been that after this the third year you give Baker the massive massive extension well then he's going to play his fourth year then he's going to play his fifth year then he's going to get into the extension money. So you're talking about the money you're committing now isn't going to be around until the 2023 season. So that's the thing you got to look at. It's not like if Baker signs the extension that all of a sudden it's today. 
So if you remember right, the, the Eagles and the uh, and the Rams did the same thing where they they got the deal done this offseason and they tacked on four years to the end, essentially giving him six years from the point of the time he signed the contract to finish his two years under his rookie deal and then four years beyond. So when we're talking about a Baker extension, you're talking about paying him for performance in 2023. Yeah, and we've seen a phenomenal small sample. So like um, John Costco tweeted out sort of the stats and because there's lots of noise that comes with quarterbacks, how they perform under pressure that Justin Herbert, perfect example. I think it was first half of the season. He was better under pressure than he was no pressure, which is just a ridiculous stat. Um, And out of the five most stable, I think it was three of the five, he finished number one from week seven onwards. So it was really good stuff that Baker was solid at. It wasn't noise. There was a little bit of noise in like his his first season. There was lots of passing on the run that he was good at. Um, Whereas this is actually solid, more tangible than what we saw in rookie Baker, which is really, really important. And the question obviously comes down and I sort of wrote about in my piece on what does a Baker Mayfield extension look like in 2021? And I, when I was writing the piece, I was very much like, I, I, I want to wait and see a bit more before I make the commitment. But 24 hours after writing it, and I'll explain why, I'm actually leaning the other way. So the number one rule is be first. There's whoever gets paid first. So Goff got paid after Wentz, got an extra one and a half million a year. Joe, Joey Bosa got paid after Miles Garrett, got an extra two million a year. We saw the cornerback market went from 17 and a half million to 20 million. Um, and that was just because Tredavious White got paid before Ramsey. So these markets, who even if it's just days after, whoever gets paid second gets paid more. So with Josh Allen, with Lamar Jackson, with Dak Prescott, all getting paid this offseason, number one rule, if you're going to pay Baker this offseason, be first. And then that brings in the question, does Baltimore pay Lamar Jackson this year? Because I know there's been a lot of talk about it. And unfortunately for him, sometimes there's always going to be some hesitation. I think at this point, the first you're really racing against Josh Allen, because I think Allen, depending on whether or not, you know, they beat the chiefs or not, if they do, his price just keeps going up. So the one that they really got to watch Dak is the weird one because they obviously the franchise tag and Dallas and the Zeke and, Dallas is just in a very interesting place, but the one I think that's most apples to apples is Josh Allen. So imagine Josh Allen signing first Baker getting more money than him in the same off season that Josh Allen just led his team further into the playoffs than Baker Mayfield. So there's, there's a little bit of a difference there. So that's kind of an idea of how that may come off and look. Yeah. And so what we've saw obviously last season is the Browns um, heavily backloaded miles Garrett's deal. So we pretty much expect whatever deal Baker gets to be heavily backloaded, which is good for both sides. The Browns can push a lot of that money into the future, but the player gets a lot of benefit because they're more likely to stay because it's backloaded. There's more guarantees to them later in the deal. Um, it puts them in a really nice position. So I'd expect whatever deal happens that way. But it all comes down to question, how much is he going to get? So the one thing that is solid between these deals is the percentage the dollar value is just so unreliable because a deal that got signed three years ago when a salary cap goes up 6.1% every year on average is irrelevant because the dollar value, it weren't long ago they were paying quarterbacks 20 million a year. And now we're just shy of 40 million a year if you look at the Patrick Mahomes deal. So Patrick Mahomes essentially signed two deals. He signed his first contract and then he signed an extension. Um, 
because the way it works, it's effectively a five-year deal at 39.6 million and then a five-year deal at 50.5 million, which is 20% of the cap at time of signing on just that first part. Got Deshaun Watson, 39 million a year, which is 19.7% of the cap. Then you've got Russell Wilson when he signed 35 million a year, which is 18.6% of the cap. Goff, 33.5 million a year, 17.8% of the cap. Carson Wentz, 32 million a year, 17% of the cap. So if I had to guess where Baker stacks on that, I'd put him around Wentz in terms of percentage. So 17% point, uh, 17% of the NFL salary cap on as average at the time of signing. Um, puts him at 34 million a year, which I, I think is about right. It will make him higher paid than Goff on paper, which is what the agent will want to wave around. The team like the placing as well, because I'd say Carson Wentz is right. Um, he's not in that Mahomes, Watson, Wilson level yet. Obviously, if he'll wait a year, he could easily get into that bracket. But based on where it is now, I'd say that Wentz one. And then in terms of guarantees, Wentz got 109 million, Goff got 110, Watson got 112. So you're looking in that 110 to 112 range because they'll want to say, hey, we got more guarantees than Goff. And the team will go, hey, you're not getting more guarantees than Deshaun Watson. Um, so I think the guarantees will lie in that range there. Sounds now, right. Yes, but here is my question. The, the NFL, as we know, is a lot driven by fantasy football and statistics. And I know that there's one thing that people are going to con- constantly or continually come back to in terms of statistical output. So we, you know, we mentioned how the deals are going to be structured and who are the people we need to watch. So if I'm a fan and I look at it and I say, Josh Allen is coming off of a year where he had 37 touchdowns passing and then nine, either rushing or receiving. So Josh Allen accounts for 46 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Baker accounts for 27 and eight. How is, how are these guys making the same amount of money? So is there opportunities within the, within the current structure where, and is it only in the quarterback market where if I'm a fan and I come back and I say, here's one guy that had 20 more touchdowns for my team. How are they making the same? How are NFL teams factoring in the output of the statistical value of each one of these players versus the people that they're going to market with? Yeah. So the quarterback market in terms of the NFL is the least efficient market in the entire league. Um, it doesn't understand even running back. It's a much better tiering of players. Effectively, you've got three, we've got four different tiers in your um, quarterback market. You've got elite. So we're going to throw Patrick Mahomes, Watson, Wilson, Rogers in there. They are your, their cream of the crop. They are every year, top, top five almost. And then you've got this really big tier, which is basically, they dub them franchise quarterbacks, but it's basically anyone that's a top 20 quarterback in the league annually so you've got rivers stafford goff wentz um andy dalton um all of these guys and it's insane they basically all get the same deal matt ryan um i think i said rivers stafford um age uh, you could probably throw brady breeze in there but i tend to get away from them just because they're right at the end of their careers but literally everyone comes into that sort of bracket and gets similar deals then you've got your your tier three Tier three is your Newtons, your, um, what's his name? Um, Teddy Bridgewater. They're your, yeah, it didn't work out. Um, we'll just go sign a deal somewhere else. Basically, just sort of shiny bridge quarterbacks. And then you've got your your rookies, um, 
your other like career backups, get them sort of cheaper deals. And so that's sort of your, your tiers. And literally everyone's in that tier two. Um, if you're extending a quarterback, they're going in tier two. They're never going in tier three. The only, the last quarterback I remember that got extended and ended up in tier three was Blake Bortles. So Baker is so much better than Blake Bortles. He's going in at that tier two. And I Blake think Bortles 17%. led his team to the AFC championship game. Yeah, but it's uh, <laughs> devil's advocate that everyone knew he sucked. Even Blake Bortles, <laughs> mum knew he sucked. Yeah, even the team. No, that, that was the exception. But it, it is definitely an interesting, it, it's interesting because you're right. That the quarterback market just, it's, it's an exception onto its own because you're just basically paying a guy to be the key contributor. And, you know, I'm not saying that Baker is any less valuable to the Browns than Allen is to the, to the bills. And I think maybe they're looking at it with that extrinsic value, as opposed to, you know, the intrinsic value of the stats to say, Josh Allen, the number one fantasy quarterback versus Baker Mayfield, which, you know, I think given their skill sets, you know, for all the fans out there that because it is weird how fantasy has come to shape our, our, image of what players are in terms of, you know, if a guy goes out there and has six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, you know, we should give him massive amounts of money. It's because he got my fancy team 15 points. So it it's, it's a unique situation that the Browns are in, because if you're literally in the meritocracy of the world and saying you should be paid for what you do on the field, you know, Baker and Allen shouldn't be in the same category because Allen produces more, but that franchise quarterback puts you right in that tier that you're talking about. So you know, for all the people out there that when these two deals sign to go, well, oh my God, Baker got 20 less touchdowns than Allen. That's why. Yeah. If, if, if he's some, if how Josh Allen, and we're recording this before uh, the Sunday night games, somehow makes his way to the Super Bowl and does something wonderful, then he might go, actually, pay me like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but if he doesn't, they'll go, hey, you're going in that franchise quarterback market rather than the superstar market which is uh, your Mahomes and Watson area. But um, no, and then the sort of, the question comes down to what salary cap are you working off? Because if we say that the 17% is what we're going to go for, and obviously, yeah, you can go, hey, I want to do 17.5%. I want to do 17.8% to match golf. You can take your own numbers, but we've obviously got a reduced cap this year. And no one's going to say, hey, I'm paying Baker on the 175 million cap. If they can get him to agree to the 198.2 million cap, which was last season, so the season that's just ending the 2020 season, then that 17% is 136 million, which is good money. Hey, I wouldn't mind that money over um, four years, which works out at 34 million a year. If he wanted to be paid on what should have been the salary cap this year, so the NFL salary cap this year, forget. COVID, everything. If that wasn't the case, he would have been paid. The NFL salary cap's 210. And if the NFL salary cap's 210, then that 17% works out at 36 million a year. He might say, hey, there's a TV deal coming. There's lots of money going to be flush. Um, the NFL salary cap next season in 2022 could be 250 million, which we're talking 175 million this year. There is a realistic chance with a massive TV deal, if they can get all of the pain out this year, with the 17th game, we could be close to the sort of 230, 250 range. It could realistically jump that much 
which seems nuts to say, but that's the realm of what a new TV deal can do. You're talking over 50, 40 million a year for Baker. So it all depends what his team's looking at. If you can get his team to say, hey, yeah, we'll work on that 198.2 million of last year as the salary cap, 34 million over four years, 136 million. For me, if that's what his team's working on, you put the pen on paper and you get that deal signed because if the cap goes up, how it's expected to go up, you're sitting there with a really, really cheap deal. And usually that sort of, oh, if you pay him a year earlier, it's only two to three million saved. Suddenly we're talking, if that salary cap's five up to six. 250 million, yeah, you're saving five, six million a year just by getting it done a year early. And suddenly that is massive because you might think, oh, that's just five to six million. Well, that's another Rashad Higgins. That's another um, solid, Hunt. solid player. That's another starter. I mean, that's if you think about it, that's if I'm not mistaken, on the season, two of our top three tacklers were BJ Goodson and Malcolm Smith. And I think if you combine them, I don't think they get to five million. Three and a half, 3.7, I think. Yeah. yeah. And now throw Carl Joseph, who I think was a top five in Sendejo. I mean, I think, I think with if I'm these, not mistaken, these, these four teams, guys, all of them, there's that's more than every one of those contracts. Every player this season, like the minimum 700,000. So when I'm saying it's an extra 5 million, that's actually 5 million on top of the seven and a half, um, sorry, 750,000. So you're actually talking near 6 million. Um, if you're saving 5 million and you're putting that into a player, every player has an, almost a base of 750,000. So yeah, suddenly 6 million, you, you could go, actually, we couldn't afford Rashad Higgins. We go forward two years and you're like, ah, let's sign Rashad Higgins level player to a four-year deal. That's the saving that you could get to sort of put a player to what that is. It's, that's really, really good value. And yeah, it could all go wrong. And we're stuck with Baker for a few years, probably what, two of those four new years you would definitely be stuck with. So if it did go wrong, you still got four more years of Baker Mayfield and then you could probably cut him or trade him for those last two. But it's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, and if you look at like the worst case scenario, for example, we were talking about we're paying now Baker for what he does in 2023. Jack had mentioned earlier about how Wentz and Goff have not played a single snap on their new deals. So now you're going into an offseason where the salary cap is going to drop and that's what makes the Rams and the Eagles situation so questionable is that Wentz is now going into what would be his sixth season. So now he's taking a snap based on a contract that was signed in 2018 with a lower salary cap. So that's why these teams are running into a little bit of the salary cap hell because, you know, obviously the pandemic, they were expecting the salary cap to continue the increase by that certain percentage. So now all of a sudden, in a worst case scenario, we're talking about the six million that we'd have extra. Well, now if we flip that the other way, the Eagles, by getting those deals done now, are going to lose out on the ability to sign a six to ten million dollar player just based on these deals. So, yes, it is a risk, but it's impossible to predict a pandemic coming. So I think with with this, it will be interesting to see do they get the deal done? How is the deal structured? And where does it rank in terms of getting the deal done? Because, you know, whose agents, you know, I don't know who, if Baker and Allen and all these guys, I don't know who their agents are, but are they going to be competing for themselves? Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly one that if you're Baker's camp, then if you're really confident and you're going, he's going to come back next year and be a top 10 quarterback, then you're going, 
wait, Baker, just don't do it. Don't, don't sign that deal unless they're going to pay through the teeth and be talking about, let's say, 160 million new money. So you're going to go, ask for 40 million a year. If they ain't going to give you 40 million a year, we'll wait a year. New TV deal, this coming around the corner, you're going to play well. If you play as a top five quarterback, as you did in the sort of second half of the season and a new TV deal, we're going to ask for 45 million a year next year. We're going to blow that Mahomes deal out of the water in terms of sort of value. That is realistic with a cap jumping um, as much as it could under a new TV deal on a 17th game. So it, it's it's one where it might not be the Browns that stop a deal happening. They might go, hey, here's what we think is realistic. And Baker bets on the upside of the cap. Also, Baker's camp might be like, hey, let's get paid. You played like a bottom four in the NFL quarterback in the first six games. We're well aware of that. If you repeat that, you might never earn over 10 million a year in the rest of your career. So it's probably a nice area in the middle, but where it's a COVID cap and everything going on, normally I would say wait on this. Baker's the perfect quarterback to go, hey, wait, let's get more research. But where COVID's there, if he's willing to sign on what would be a 2020 NFL salary cap, throw money at it. Well, I don't think you're going to find a better breakdown of how all the different options in the Cleveland quarterback room um, are going to come at you. But I think, you know, we started off by saying that the Browns are, you know, the, the league average at two and a half quarterbacks. I think it's safe to say the Browns will have two active quarterbacks and a practice squad quarterback, you know, whether it's Kyle Laletta, and that's an interchangeable name right there. But, you know, the biggest question with this Browns offseason is going to be to pay Baker or not to pay Baker. That is the question. So, but at the end of the day, I think you're looking at two roster spots for the quarterbacks next year. You're looking at Baker, you're looking at case, and then you're going to find somebody, whether they draft and develop, they find some rookie guy that's been cut. You know, the Steelers obviously just brought in Dwayne Haskins for a dirt cheap deal. So you might be looking at something where they're able to pick up somebody that's, you know, just out there that they've liked from years past, but you're not going to see a significant roster spot investment in that top 51 on a third quarterback. So the Browns will be sitting two quarterbacks come the 2021 season. Yeah, obviously Dwayne Haskins is a perfect example. If we went two years down the line and um, Tua, for some reason, is out there and available for one million a year where you go sod it, let's have a third quarterback. Um, let, let's give it a go for a year and see what happens um, because Haskins just has upside. If the Steelers end up paying him a million for one year, they can RFA tender him the following year. It, there, there's no risk for them. And Case Keenum, basically how the deal was structured one year deal of five and a half million last year. I know the number didn't look that way, but because of the signing bonus, but that's effectively what it was. They paid him five and a half million for the first year. He's then got a 6 million option in year two. Um, they can then have a six and a half million option in year three. They need to make a decision though, by the 21st of March, because that's when he's got two more million guaranteed. It's probably not a tradable contract. because There's so many backup, um, quarterbacks out there you you've got newton you've got trubisky you've got dalton you, you've got loads of guys this year tyrod um so yeah it's unlikely to happen so it looks like he's here next year and then don't be surprised 2022 draft that day two all the browns pick a quarterback have they given up on baker nope they'll have probably spoke to baker before any of the draft happens and go look if we take a quarterback here's what we see the long-term room so his camp doesn't get spooked but um yeah I think what the Eagles did will become a blueprint across the whole NFL. Um, but yeah, two quarterbacks looks like the plan unless suddenly they fall in love with someone right at the end of the draft and they absolutely wow them in camp. And then they go, hey, 
we're, we've got to cut our roster spot somewhere else. But um, no, I, I think it's really, really exciting room. Um, Baker could get tied down long term. So uh, yeah, a- anything left to add on quarterbacks in? No, I'm just glad we got a good one and we're not sitting there wondering, you know, who we're going to draft. I mean, this offseason in the quarterbacks is going to be so interesting, you know, Stafford and Watson and you got all these names out there. It's insane, you know, and the Texans are like, hey, you know what, maybe we'll just take an active quarterback off our roster and make them the head coach. I mean, well, who knows? Our pets heads are falling off over here in the quarterback market. So it, it'll be really interesting to see how the how many different, you know, players are in different, you know, situations, you know, Philip Rivers and, you know. Roethlisberger, Breeze retiring. It's it's just it's it's crazy because we knew this day was coming. We knew that there was going to have to be a you know a pinnacle pivot point um, with the old quarterbacks into the new. So here we are. Now yeah. we get to sit back and say we got a guy that started all sixteen games for the first time in two decades. We're talking about like five first round picks. We're talking about like three or four quarterbacks traded from one team to another. Um, there is just so much movement. Um, Jimmy I mean, G is probably going to get cut. Um, unprecedented by someone activity. Else. It's, it's uh, wild because for all those years, the Browns were trying to find a guy trading for the Jeff Garcia's. This was way before your time and the Jake DeLomes and all this stuff. You couldn't, you could not pry a good quarterback away from a team for a thousand, for a thousand draft picks. They weren't going to do it. I mean, the Browns were literally ready to offer like 17 years of draft picks for Andrew Luck back then. They're like, yeah, we're, we're not doing that. Now you got to think about how many, if the Browns would have gone to the Texans and said, Hey, I'll give you four first round picks. We'd have been given up the likes of the Barkevious Mingos and the Justin Gilberts and the Danny Shelton's and the Johnny Manziel's and the Brandon Wheaton's. We'd have given up 20 first round draft picks. We've only had a few good ones in the last two decades, but yeah, the quarterback position in the NFL it's, 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 it's pretty awesome to see. And, you know, here we are on wild are in um, AFC and NFC championship weekend. And we've got the Mahomes, the Rogers, the Allens and the Brady's. It's like three of these guys are just, you know, mainstays in the, in the quarterback circuit. So it's, it's an awesome time to be an, a, a fan of the NFL. That's and for sure. The best thing about all the quarterbacks getting drafted pushes more talent down the board, ready for the Browns. And hopefully one of them lucky chaps is still on the board when the Browns pick Someone picks up that phone and Andrew Berry goes, I'm going to take you for all your worth. And then uh, we get a boat haul. Oh, you want, a, you want a quarterback in the first round? That's a future first. Future first. I, I would take two middle day two picks. That, not middle day two, middle second rounders. So one this year, one next what, year, what every that, single year. What could that future first turn into? Ooh. That, that future, that two seconds though, turn one of that in day th- four day two picks and before the we go down that road I, I would take him for a year and then get a comp pick but that's another day that's for the cornerback room no but uh thank you very much for coming um check out the art- full article on thedogland.com um make sure you follow us both on twitter it's at jack duffin any cap questions roster questions fire them at me dms are open if you want x's nose ask ian because i don't have a bloody clue no, we'll get into that part at some point because the Browns defense is going to be playing all news X and O's next year. So good stuff. Enjoy it. Um, and we'll be back uh, later this week for the running backs and the fullbacks. We'll, we'll try to wake up the hibernating monster that is Paul Brown. Oh, yeah, he's, he's getting he, old now. He's sleeping like, uh, like Connor is. <laughs> Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.